is a code of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt, back cutting for the Matrix on Monday the 23rd, 2008, that is June of course. It's kind of hard to keep up with the weather here because it's rained pretty well solidly for a month, so I was thinking of building an ark, just in case. For newcomers, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com for the old or the older shows I've done with lots of information which can help put the big picture together for those who are just looking into it and waking up now or reacting to the events around them that are visible to everyone. Also look into alanwattsentinel.eu where you can download transcripts written in the various languages of Europe and you can print them up and pass them around. And as I say, up this way, I think the old spud country, the potato country, is kaput for another year because of this incredible rain we've had. I know the farming belts out west are getting it uh, in Canada and also in the United States. And that's been going on now for about eight years solid. Generally, flood, 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 drought, 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 flood, flood, flood. And the plains are spraying away and the harp is harping on too. And... Many of us have been watching this, especially those who have shortwave radio, and you can pick up the harp frequency, which is 24 hours per day on about four or five different places on the shortwave band. And that first came out back in the early 70s when Riga, the Soviet harp installation, started to test out their, their powers. Everyone across the world was having their shortwave wiped off in certain areas of the band, with this woodpecker tapping sound. Well, now it's, it's even worse than a woodpecker. It's something of a science fiction, and it's the most powerful sound you'll get on the shortwave radio. So high sciences, quiet, silent weapons for quiet wars. High sciences are, sciences are at work now, and it's just the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, pulling the strings, and when you ask him any questions, his front men, his government officials will whistle in the sky simple as that. They don't have to admit to anything, even though you can watch them spraying away and leaving these massive trails behind them, which gradually merge and create clouds or these hazy, hazy, milky, hazy days that you get with a polymer. It's called polymer, designed by the military. Polymer streams behind them. It's like looking through a sort of clearish plastic. It gives it a different tinge. And that's to do with weather warfare. People should look into the Weather Warfare Treaty signed in the late 70s at the United Nations. And in there you'll find everything which they then could do. That's why they signed the treaty. You don't sign a treaty for things you cannot do. You sign it when you have the weaponry to do it. And in there they admit they can bring the jet streams right down to the earth level if they want to. Divert its course, may go up or down or right across a country. And that's what you'll see on the weather uh, channels now and your weather programs on the news you'll see the jet stream off and coming straight up 
the west coast and doing a right angle about British Columbia, Canada, and right across to Nova Scotia. Straight line. We get these weird, weird things which people should be sentient about, but they're not. They expect the media to tell them what's going on. They think the media really is there to inform them, and they've been trained to believe that. I also have satellite difficulties now because the company I go through is owned by the military-industrial complex, and they give a little portion out of it to this ExploreNet, which has been causing hell all week for those on satellite. So I might have to have the engineer tell me the callers later on in the show because I can't get the satellite up on screen. The music's coming in, so I'll be back with more after the following messages. This is Alan Watt back cutting through the matrix and bemoaning my problems here with uh, the satellite communication for a whole week of technical problems and you can't upload or you up all night or the whole night long waiting for the darn satellites to communicate with you. But uh, that's where they have us, you see, in the system that we adapt to so quickly and most folk become completely dependent upon. That's why the system is the way it is, especially anything to do with communications. They have you where they want you. And we know the next Internet level is getting set up, and that is going to really change the face of Internet because the big players, the big mainstream media, want in on it big time. And they'll get first dibs on all the big sites, and they're actually talking about making you pay for every site once they own them all, every, every site that you want to look into. As they rein it in, now they've got everyone addicted to it. Very simple plan. But here's Canada, Canada, which is merging with the United States, Mexico, and Chile is ready to follow in quickly, and a few other ones. Canada has to start getting a bigger military because, after all, it's part of NATO. And NATO and the Department of Defense for Britain, which is Canada too, have already said they're looking for 30 years of rioting commencing around 2010 and going on for 30 years intense rioting which they and that's from the, the top think tank now the think tank doesn't sit with a crystal ball and say I wonder what will happen in a few years time they have data of what is supposed to happen such as rising gasoline prices before the public ever are told of it uh, the food costs going up to astronomical levels they also take in all the, the treaties that have been signed, like Agenda 21 at the United Nations, to get everyone off rural areas into the cities, which will then become even more overcrowded. So they, they look at this scenario, and they come up with the obvious. There's going to be crisis and riots and so on. It doesn't take rocket scientists to figure that one out. And Canada here, this is a, a report that came out on MSN, and also the CBC over the weekend. It says, top story, federal government, this is Canada, quietly releases $490 billion military plan. This is a small population in Canada for a huge country. $490 billion. And they play at the left-right wing paradigm, as they always do. That's how they write things, stories in every country. The Conservatives have quietly released the details of their extensive plans to beef up Canada's military 
saying they will spend $490 billion over 20 years to ensure soldiers are well-equipped and well-trained. And from the CBC, it says, details of the plan known as Canada First Defence Strategy were posted Thursday night without fanfare on the Department of National Defence's website. So we, we, get, we get informed, really, from the military. The military tells us what they're, what they're getting. The posting comes almost six weeks after Prime Minister Stephen Harper announced at a news conference that his government had a strategy for the military but provided few details about it. Critics at the time said the strategy was nothing more than a speech since Harper offered no document to back it up. Speaking in Halifax on Friday, Defence Minister Peter Mackay defended the nighttime posting of the plan, nighttime posting, on the eve before recess. That's, that's standard down through history if you ever look at big things that happen saying the government was simply striving to provide more specifics about the strategy to Canadians. And the military analyst Rob Hubert told CBC News that he can't understand why Harper would release a document so quietly and why he would do so the day before the House of Commons is expected to adjourn for the summer. Well, I wonder why. Still, he praised the document's content, saying the strategy appears to be a well-balanced assessment that juggles the military's commitments at home and overseas. You know it's going to be at home, because that's what it's about over 20 years, right into that area, where there's going to be riots across the whole Western Hemisphere, according to the Department of Defense. He says here, I'm hard-pressed right at this point, looking at it to be really overly critical, said Hubert, Associate Director of the Center for Military and Strategic Studies in Calgary. I do think they've got a good balance on this particular aspect. I think it's on a list and that gives you a breakdown of where the money is to be spent on military equipment, so on, helicopters, patrol ships, planes, destroyers, frigates, land combat vehicles, and weapons. And that ties in with the big NAFTA highways that are being built right through the country, right down through the states, right through into Mexico, and eventually through Central America. Because quite a few years ago, before they were hammering away at the Middle East, they talked vaguely in hints about the coming strife in the world under their globalization procedures and the effects of them, the outcome of them, the fallout of them. And they talked then about the need for rapid deployment forces. And everyone thought at the time, I guess it means sending them overseas quickly to a hotspot. And I twigged on by the wording, no, it also meant getting them up and down the Americas very quickly to any spot when trouble breaks out. You see, at the rate that gasoline and diesel is skyrocketing, and there is no fuel shortage. When you read all the media and even the business paper, there's no fuel shortage. You know that we're supposed to get off the road. Again, Agenda 21 has been signed and sealed and delivered at the United Nations, and all the countries signed it. No private transportation is right in there. Emergency and essential vehicles only. It's a takeoff of the Soviet system only updated because we merged with the Soviet system quietly and seamlessly and even brought some of the top KGB guys across to run Homeland Security. You see, they were the experts in this whole thing. In the Soviet Union, you need permits to go anywhere. 
even in your own area. We get an ID cards here. Everyone's getting ID cards across the Western world because this agenda is a global agenda. Nothing to do really with the Middle East. They're just one little part of the problem, as they call it, because they must thoroughly destroy the remnants of the old system that runs Islamic countries. Standardize them too. And bring them all under this new global system with the same standardized culture. I was reading in another British paper that they're now going to make everyone with a tree in their garden in towns, cities, villages and even the country have government inspectors come in once a year at least from a special new department to inspect your tree to make sure that no branch could fall off it and cause an accident. And then they will give you a fine or whatever if, they, if you haven't got that tree attended to and cut properly by an expert, mind you, not yourself. And we're watching control freaks of all kinds emerge in this society. Worse, and I've told people this before, it'd be worse than any totalitarian regime the world has ever seen down through history, even combined. They're on the move now for total obedience and everything. And it said in that article from Britain that, that, that the, the law had been pushed out onto the public. They can't bypass his parliaments now. The police are doing the same. They put laws out and bypass any, any other regulation. And it comes from the Department of Standardization. Do you know we had a, pan, a, a Department of Standardization where they're standardizing everything? Department of Standardization. I wonder if they go around eventually, and we know they went after smokers, you see. Now they're going after the United Nations war on obesity. The UN put on both these wars. And I wonder if they'll go after tall people or short people eventually, until we're all standardized. And forced, if we're allowed to breed at all, they have us all modically, modically modified, so we're all the same size. And that's how crazy it's getting. There's even pubs now in Yorkshire in England where they've been forced to put up cameras to watch customers. Now, I wouldn't go into a pub where there's cameras watching you. And the cameras are linked. Like the movie you saw, Enemy of the State. The cameras are all linked with the police services and all the different forces and agencies nationwide. But you're not allowed to wear the traditional flat cap there now. And who put that law into effect? The police did. The police demanded it. And, and told them, around the pubs and told them. Because they said it hid the faces of customers. This is a new freedom. We've had new freedom defined to us by a guy who's almost a moron. And he calls it the new freedom. And this is what they mean by that. They're defining. When they tell you they're redefining something, you better believe them. When it comes from the top, they mean what they say. You have no freedom at all. That's the bottom line. You have to be regimented. Regimentation. In fact, regimentation gets these characters off because they are psychopathic. They love everything to be the same. And they love everything to follow them Masses of people all marching in step turns them on. That's why they love wars. That's why the Club of Rome and others frothed at the mouth at the thought 
of getting people into a war mode back in the 1970s. Read their book, The First Global Revolution, written in the, in the early 90s. But they said back in the 70s, they said, how do we get the public of the world to obey and come together and follow orders? They said the only time they do this is under war situations, like World War II. They accept ration cards. They accept uh, ID cards. They pool together. They work for less. They allow new officials to go out into society and order them about. That's what they wanted. And we're living right through World War III right now. And it's a war for everything, body, mind, and soul. Back with more after this break. Hi, I am Alan Watt, back and cutting through the matrix because this matrix is so deep and there's so many layers that I've accumulated down through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years as a very wealthy elite group who are organized came down through the ages and formed consortiums monopolies there's different names for the same thing cartels and even nations at times they ran parts of the world the Knights Templars were famous for it and when Britain became the headquarters for a while of these particular plunderers who were all up around the court of Queen Elizabeth I. They were pirates. They were allowed to be freebooters, they called them. And their job was to go out into those countries or towards those countries that were competing with them, mainly in trade and trade routes. And they sank their ships after robbing them. That was quite allowable in the court of Queen Elizabeth I. And, they, and at that time, it was the Spanish they were robbing. But they were, anybody was fair game if you were trying to compete with this big consortium that really was a business consortium which also ran the country. And it never changed. I remember watching a documentary on Sierra Leone about a war that started up there, a civil war. And you'll find with most of these civil wars, there's either an American or a British company involved, either diamond, gold, or oil. And they get these little civil wars going. And during the whole fracas, they end up, the oil companies and diamond mine companies end up pretty well owning the new dictator. They put a new dictator in, and they pay very little to the country, but a little backhander to the dictator. And that's how they run it. And they talk to the head of a diamond and gold corporation specialist and a CEO in London, because he and his company were responsible for sending mercenaries uh, professional mercenaries, ex-Special Air Service and Green Beret uh, over there to train this this uh, group that were doing the coup so that this company could get first dibs, main dibs on all the, the diamonds and so on and gold. And he was questioned about the morality about this project and causing all this death and destruction. And he the man looked back is always incredulous because in his circle it would be an incredulous question to ask. He says, he says my, my goodness, he says, it's, it's business. They're doing nothing with the land anyway. And he had this perplexed frown upon his face. That's how they see things. Well, here 
is something that goes along with this because those people were taught to respect and those families, those plundering families that go down through time are still at it. They never stop this tradition with them. They even go into the old Ivy League universities where they're recruited on a hereditary basis into these special, we now call them the special agencies for government. And their job is just the same. Colin Thatcher, or Mark Thatcher, I should say, who's now Sir Mark Thatcher, has been held in a prison overseas again. Again. This is Maggie Thatcher's son, ex-premier of Britain. And this is from the Times Online, June 19th, 2008. Simon Mann named Sir Mark Thatcher as coup plotter. This is about the second or third time this guy's been caught doing this in different countries for the big, big London corporations. It's by Martin Fletcher in Malabo. Simon Mann, the old Etonian mercenary, has placed Sir Mark Thatcher right at the heart of the plot to overthrow the president of the oil-rich Equatorial Guinea in 2004. In electrifying testimony before a court in the tiny West African state yesterday, Mann flatly contradicted Sir Mark's insistence that he knew nothing about the attempted coup d'etat and gave money unwittingly. Mann said that he recruited the former Prime Minister's son and took him to London to be vetted by Eli Khalil, the Lebanese-Nigerian tycoon whom he identified as the boss of the whole operation. After that, he said Sir Mark was not just an investor, he came on board completely and became part of the management team. Attending many meetings, he named Sir Mark as one of five men in charge of the operation. Sir Mark struck a plea bargain with South African prosecutors in 2005. He admitted paying $275,000 for a helicopter, but claimed he thought it was to be used as an air ambulance. <laughs> he didn't add for the children. He should have added for the children. He was fined £266,000, received a four-year suspended sentence, big strings were pulled there, and now lives on an exclusive estate in Spain, while man is in the infamous Black Beach Jail in Malabo. So you see, these guys are intertwined with MI6, because that's part of the job of MI6, is to make sure there's no competition for the big elite families' businesses abroad. That's first, that's first and foremost really what they're doing. The old city of London is a very interesting place. Very interesting place. And they have them across the world in other main countries too. And they work together, these people. Sometimes sometimes they fight each other, but mainly they work together. And they're supposed to be, all be working together towards this global agenda. Now these same characters that start wars and coup d'etats and all the rest of it, and hire mercenaries to get wars going and slaughtering villages and all that, um, are held up to us as very respectable people. Very respectable. And, as I say, they're often put up there as premier, prime ministers or presidents. It's incredible what, what we're given here at this puppet show. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, this is me, Alan Watt, the little fellow himself back when I'm cutting through the matrix. I'm getting smaller all the time. I'm shrinking with the rain. I'm just shrinking. I'll be one of the little people shortly. The time it'll be people that run around the forest there, squeaking. But that's what we do up we have to put up with with harp and spring and so on these days. At least houses could be really small then and cheap and easy to maintain. I've got Tommy from Los Angeles on the line. Are you there, Tommy? Hey, Alan. Yes. Hey, uh, well, first off, I would like to say that that Laurel Canyon article by Dave McGowan has had a few more installments added to it, and it's just getting better and better. It's such a great article. I read the second part, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like, I think he has like up to six, six chapters going in there now. It's really good. It's quite interesting, isn't it, to, to realize that... that Maybe 50 years or, or 40 years after events, that you can actually dig up stuff for the first time and show you the connections between the heroes they give the children, the youngsters, to follow, and all the connections they have to the military and the big elite families. Yeah, revelation of the method. I can remember in Britain when uh, some rich people, the, the Etonians, Eton and so on, they were, they were putting their children into special schools to become rock stars. And they're even teaching them London slang accents, giving them the accent to, to make wow. them sound like, like Baba Boys and things like that, you say. And, and that's what they were, how they were training them, so they'd make them stars. It was such easy money, and they would guide the, the future. So, yeah. So even our rock stars are vetted? Yeah. Okay. Well, have you heard that uh, George Carlin died yesterday? I didn't, know. no. Uh, yeah, well, I think uh, he was one of the first people I actually ever heard cut through the Matrix. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, meaning that, like, you know, he, he just had a, like, a way of seeing things and expressing them that, you know, really got people thinking outside of their normal uh, frames of mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he went out as an atheist, but, um, um, you know, I think a lot of atheists are just spiritually frustrated people. And, oh, you sure. Know, I, I, know, sure. I know you get a lot of Jesus baiters, and we can't really all agree on uh, issues of faith. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of your listeners are like-minded seekers to varying degrees. And I was yeah. just wondering if you can speak to righteousness. Mm-hmm. And I'll take your comments off the air. Thanks a lot. Sure. Yeah, the problem, it is, it's true. I mean, if you look at the histories of the world, especially the Western world, we're, the victors write the histories. And we're given, but really it's horror shows. Every, it's just a, a history of horror as to how the ordinary people were treated. And one war after another, and, and various uh, peasants' wars and all the rest of it, trying to live and survive. The, the thing that's going to come up again with the food riots, same stuff all over again. And the, the, the big churches were never, they never told them to stand up for themselves. In fact, the churches were always in, on the side of the, the families who controlled the countries. And there's no wonder, there's no wonder that people eventually, mainly in Europe, gradually got so sick of the mainstream churches that they completely dropped out and once they dropped out their children were at risk which was understood by those who controlled uh, of being led by other forces and so they made sure they gave you a culture industry to guide them to take over from religion and then use it it was even easier because religion was static religion was very good for keeping populations static and well behaved however it was written into religions that man and, and woman were sacred, life was sacred, and they could knock that one down. There was always a dilemma when they told you to go and kill 
people abroad. But, but back home, it was, it was a no-no. Life was sacred. So you had that double-think problem. And we know that the elite always wanted to bring down the populations, especially after the 1700s. And so they had to get rid of uh, religion, and then they, they replaced it with the cultural uh, techniques and industries to guide them, well-financed again from the top people, the top families. And it's much easier now. They've, they've created an atheistic society, and they've even given them a New Age movement, which which many thousands have fallen into. It's, it's based on a form of a mix of Hinduism, reincarnation, and so on. And they're, they're using that to guide them to the next, the next phase of the new humanity. They're looking forward to a lot of new ages, all being one, and having new bodies and stuff like that. They think they're all going to get saved because they're all so special. But, of course, they're going to be used and walk into the extermination chambers at the right time, chanting on in unison. So the cultural industry is taking over, but, but inside every individual, I don't care who they are, I don't care who they are, you have these things we call instincts, and we know, we know what we do personally, if it's right to us or not, regardless of the culture around you. And they teach children, very young children, if an adult touches you in a certain way and it feels uncomfortable, report them. Now, how come children are able to do that, but adults are, t- are told not to, that everything's okay? Because it's culturally okay, you see. But deep down inside you, you you still have the same thought as a child. If this feels uncomfortable, there's something wrong here. So there is such a thing to you as rights and wrong. The New Age philosophies, which are promoted from the top, the new religion, are antagonistic to the old religions, which did have definite rights and wrongs. Rules which had very good reasons and purposes behind them. For the, for the survival of humanity and all segments of, some, of humanity too but in this new eugenic society with science being the new priesthood they've given them the new age to follow and mixed it with gobbledygook and Hinduism and part science, science fiction and they've brought leaders amongst them just as they always have done to guide them all well-funded leaders into this new age but I don't care who you are as I say if you don't know what's right and wrong then, then you have no mind of your own at all. You're totally conditioned. If you accept anything, you're conditioned. If you really truly believe in moral relativity, where anything goes and everything's okay, that also means that it's okay for the elite to decide what they're going to do with you. You can't argue with that, can you? That's your reasoning. They're using your reasoning. And you can find a natural faith yourself without tossing all the old babies out with the bathwater. Because it's truth, eternal truth, in all the old established religions. It was a dogma that was piled on top to keep the people subdued and obedient that did the main churches in and under, apart from the infiltrations from the high Masonic groups and so on. And believe you me, if you look at the top churches in America and Canada and Britain, see who who founded them. And they were all the highest masons, you can see. Every section of Christianity. And you know who put the, the, the Novo Ordus, the new order, out for the Catholic Church after Vatican II? Who put the whole thing together when they did it with, with the Latin Mass? There's two archbishops and six Protestants 
all Masons who designed the new Mass for the Catholics because the Catholic Church was all completely taken over by them. All New Agers, all High Masons. And this is ongoing. This is ongoing, and I get a lot of stuff. I know I'm right into what's happening deep within the New Age, who's funding them big time. I've met people from the Canadian government in high positions who have these strange little jobs, but they go around the world, traveling around the world at New Age meetings. One of them at the United Nations told me, this woman, she said, what about what was happening in the Middle East? I said, well, is it right to go over there and slaughter people? This began agenda through and standardize them. So she said, well, you've got to realize those people, she says, decided to come back in those bodies at this time in life. So it's their fate. And then our karma, she's talking about karma. Here's a, if you want religious fanaticism that can, that can actually rationalize murder, slaughter, she was one of them. And she will sleep well at night, a complete, total believer. Scares the hell out of you. They're actually out there in high positions. Yeah. It's like, that's how they rationalize cripples and so on. Well, they decided to come back in that body to pay for their karma. Don't help them, by the way, because it'll rub off in yours. That's why India was always in the mess it's in. Incredible. Incredible logic. Okay. Is, uh, is it Tony Massachusetts still there? Yeah. Uh, Tony. Yes. Yeah, go ahead, Hello? please. Yeah. Uh, thanks for taking my call again. Uh, yeah. Alan and I have a... Just want to make a two, two points. The first point was that you made a, a statement a couple of talks ago. I can't remember exactly when, but it was maybe about a couple of weeks ago. It was relating to uh, taking a stand. And I really have to say that hit a point with me. Uh, you mentioned the fact that uh, you're going to die anyway. Uh-huh. So why not take a stand for mm-hmm. what you believe and what's right and, 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 and stand up to this, to all this that's going on right now? And I think that for anyone out there listening that's new, uh, that is truly, uh, truly a very poignant statement. I mean, if you can't take a, if you can't take that type of stand, because you, you're going to die anyway. You are. Everyone's going to die. You know, everyone's going to die. And all they hope to do is to keep their meager life going as it's going under, and everything's getting worse. And the hope that they can somehow survive with a last breath longer than anyone else. I mean, how ridiculous can it be? You know. Yes, that is, that is so true. And the other point I wanted to make was, or a statement I wanted to make was, uh, I spent uh, a lot of time in the military, almost 28 years. I just uh, retired not long ago. And the type of, uh, this kind of ties into what's going on. Like we can see it taking shape today, just day by day. But uh, I remember uh, the career field that I was involved in, We basically our job was to defend airfields. And usually most airfields are located outside these city centers are right, right uh, in, in pretty rural areas, and so we're pretty much stationed on the perimeter, and that's what we did to repel an attack coming towards the airfield. Now, uh, in the last ten years, ten to five to ten years, I, I noticed uh, we moved away from doing that, which I couldn't understand at first. But now, I, listening to you and seeing a lot of things over the years, I've, I've kind of put the puzzle together, and all of our training involved going into mock cities. Now they they've some training areas have huge mock cities built up. Yeah. What we do is we go in and clear entire apartment blocks. So they have apartment blocks with hundreds of apartments in them, spider holes, closets, basements. Lo 
all we do is go in and clear out entire apartment buildings, mm-hmm. uh, stopping city buses, that type of thing. And I thought, well, our job is to kind of repel attacks to air bases. So why aren't we yeah. going into cities mm-hmm. and doing that? And and now, as you see this whole uh, agenda unfolding, now I know the reason why. That at that time we changed our tactics, and it was, it yeah. was just incredible. Yeah, and it also tells you how long ago they knew that they start creating the, the, their own for what was coming long before we had a clue. Yeah. Yes, oh, yes, it's quite interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I appreciate you taking my call, and uh, thank you, and have a good night. And thanks for calling. Yeah, I mean, they actually train them years before you see anything in the newspapers about what's coming down the pike. It's the same when Rumsfeld talked about breaking the $50 psychological barrier, $50 per barrel oil. There was a psychological barrier, he called it. Not a real barrier, but a psychological barrier. He says, once that happens, the sky's the limits. And he said, he said two years before, he said, don't, he said, it'll all double in no time at all. He was all, now, he wasn't a top economist, but he knew the agenda. It's all planned. It's all planned. You see? How do you get folk off the roads for Agenda 21? You force them off the road. It's quite simple. Power off the purse. People have to really, and it's very difficult today in this day and age, because they haven't been taught to discern or use, I mean, critical, you actually get, used to get taught critical reasoning and logic at school. You don't get taught that now. So any author can literally spin you off but it seems to be uh, incredible truths, uh, and, and t- unless you're using your reasoning power. So say there's no doubt that down through the ages, and it started with something called money. Money yes. is artificial. It's, it's a con game from the beginning. You can't have armies. You can't even have a city without it. A city can't survive because they don't grow or, or make anything. And so that was the beginning. And that's what they call civilization. You're, the, you're a, a city member, a civilian and you belong to the city. Uh, so that's where it really started, the city states <laughs> down through the ages. And they had cartels even in ancient Phoenicia, you know. They yes. had monopolies on business. They, they hired whole armies from countries and uh, gave them money pay to go off and conquer other countries so they could get in and get the gold mines. You're talking 5,000, 4,000 B.C. And so... There's nothing new in this. We forget, too, that Egypt was, was an empire for almost 5,000 years. 5,000 years of empire. That's incredible control, mind, body, soul, of millions of people, you know. And I'll be back after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the last little leg of the journey as we say for tonight. And we've got Robert from Nova Scotia. Are you there, Robert? Hi, good evening, Alan. How are you? Not so bad. Yeah. That's great. Um, I just had a couple comments, Alan. Actually, uh, I was reading a Canadian Press article here that uh, 47% of Canadians uh, support the uh, carbon tax. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. Okay. I don't. I don't believe them, though. I mean, that maybe the ones are on the panel. I mean, that's the Canadians <laughs> they meant. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. But uh, just a couple other just quick comments. Um, back on uh, December twenty seventh, two thousand seven, you did a, a. You spoke about uh, empathy for others. 
you know, it's around the 44-minute mark of the first hour. And I think everybody should listen to what you say about empathy for others. It's really excellent. I've listened to it dozens of times. And also, uh, people have heard you play your guitar. If they want to hear you sing, go to April 25th, 2007. And at the end, they get to hear you sing. Yeah. And also, uh, please support Alan as well. That's all I want to say. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Alan. Yeah, it's true. I keep forgetting to plug myself. And remember, you can help donate and keep me going. That's what keeps me going. I don't, I don't uh, get other money coming in. I, uh, I don't push the advertising. That's how most will get paid. And um, so it's up to you. You, you literally bring me here. And as long as you're hearing what you want to hear or what you, what's interesting to you, um, you should be helping me keep going because I've got so much more to tell the public. I'd like to get into a whole series on the histories, the ancient histories of all of this leading up through the associations, which is not difficult to do because I've done it before in groups. I've talked to many groups and talked to them in the past. I don't have time now for groups, but because we don't have time for groups. The world is changing so fast. We're on a rampage and down this narrow road to destruction. And uh, trying to do it all on your own is uh, it's, it's impossible, really, but I have to do as much as I can possibly can while, while we have the ability because the time is getting short now. And we see the big sticks coming out of, from all agencies with authority trying to stop us. So if you can support me, keep it going. Look into the website, buy the books, buy some extras too, pass them around. That's how you do things. And you're surprised. This, these books are not written along the, the usual format that you've been indoctrinated with in school. The, these books are written to wake up areas inside your own mind. And it's a gestalt type thing where the knowledge is hidden within you. I help bring it together in a bang. It just comes together. Boof, boof, boof. And that's how you really learn. That's how you start using your own mind. That's how your mind becomes alive, brings life to you. Not, not worry and death. It should bring life to you. Because when you're alive, your mind is working at full capacity. And the universes you can travel in your mind are limitless, limitless once you wake it up. What you can do with it is, is profound as well. You can read all the other books forever with all their conspiracies and their, their slants and so on. And they're written in your traditional school way to keep you in the old way of thinking. You don't think for yourself. You simply repeat. I want you to think for yourselves because that's a survival mechanism. Thinking for yourself is a survival mechanism. It's like having empathy for others. Empathy for others is a collective survival mechanism. When you have no empathy for anyone across the planet getting blown up for big business, then no one will have empathy for you and help you out when it's your turn. That's the law of nature. Well, that's it from Ontario, Canada, from a very wet Ontario, Canada, and thundery. From Hamish and myself, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.